0: Back to True Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, True Justice. This is episode 244. And, um, gosh, let's talk. We're going to be talking about fights. We got Teofimo Lopez fought Josh Taylor. Uh, Yami Mogia fought Derivianchenko, uh, Amanda Nunez retirement. Charles Oliveira. Um, with the first round TKO of Darius, we got uh, George Cambosis coming up, we got Canelo Talk, we got some movies, Transformers, Flaming Hot, um, a lot of good stuff. So where to get started, I don't know, this week I went to Comic Con, I know I told y'all I was going to that last episode. Me and uh, P and On One went, um, boys, boys, day out, it was fun. Um... Very different than I expected, I'll tell you that. So this weekend was a little packed downtown. We had the Pride Parade going on with the Comic-Con and a whole lot of graduations. Um, So I got my steps in, that was for sure. Um, The line was insane when we got to Comic-Con. Absolutely insane. I had no idea what we were in store for because we got to the um, the convention center and we had saw the line just going down the road, couldn't even see the end of it. And we we're just like, shit, what do we do? Do we wait for it to get closer to us or does it, how far back does it go? We don't know. So we just started walking, found the end of the line and it started moving pretty quick. And then all the time till we get near the front, we realized there's four different lines that that long line is breaking into. So we really could have jumped ahead because all these folks that were behind us, we were watching them go in different lines ahead of us, like 20 minutes sooner than we got into. Um, Yeah. Live and learn. (laughs) But uh, I guess some people did actually camp out the night before to be like first in line, shit like that. They got VIP packages for early access as well. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, for for my recommendation in the Spokane one, next time it comes around, um, unless there's some specific event or item you're looking for to get in as early as possible, you could just wait a couple hours after it opens and show up and, and engage in all the fun activities, um, and not have to worry about the line so much. Because once you get in, it's it's pretty it's pretty chill. I really like the energy of it. It was the first time I had been to. Uh, a really crowded event that I didn't feel like overwhelmed or like paranoid, uh, just on high alert of like can't enjoy myself because I'm waiting for something to go down or I need to know how the fuck to get out if something goes down. Like just, I usually feel like that. I don't like crowds. I can't stand it. And this was cool. The energy was just really chill, really, uh, really welcoming. You didn't no judgment from anybody. I didn't dress up or anything. I just wore my uh, my fun shirt that's. Uh, uh, Craig and um, Smokey when they're uh, from Friday and they're looking all in that damn um, and they're looking at Wednesday Adams. I just love that shirt. Got some compliments on that. Uh, my guy Mike found a couple action figures. That was fun. Um, some comic book stands were just mind blowing. They had ranges from like 350 bucks an issue to like 3000 bucks an issue. That was crazy. Um, just bins tubs full of action figures you can just go on the search they all in ziploc baggies just a lot of fun everybody's so nice friendly um really cool event. some great costumes uh but yeah shout out to comic con i i hit up my guy dees because i was wondering um what his opinion on the best ones in the country are and um hopefully i'll be able to make it to a san diego one one day uh, he recommended the Anaheim and the Seattle one apparently, but my my sister's boyfriend, he's from the Seattle area. He said the the uh, parking and the way to get to the the C- Seattle Comic Con is horrible um, from what he remembers. But yeah, I'm stoked. I just love it. They they are definitely very pop culture um, uh, oriented now. I guess I would say, uh, but I love that. It's fun. You know, you got your. I would like to see it broken up in better sections um than it is now because it's a little random a little bit coordinated but i saw honky tonk man the wwf legend um uh, i know I, we ran into our guy pest he was in line for uh, walking dead guy they had the 67 impala from that show supernatural that i hadn't heard of but i guess it was pretty popular uh, my sister-in-law uh when i was telling her about it later she loved it and she was so stoked i should have got a picture with the car because it was it's a beautiful car but yeah cool event really fun um, like I said, walked past the, the pride parade as they were getting ready and all set up for that. Um, I've never actually seen how those go down. It didn't seem as wild as I've heard that they get, but it was pretty early on. So not sure how it ended up. Um, and, yeah, we just grabbed some uh, pizza, calzones at David's Pizza. Delicious. Um, so damn good. Um, it was a fun weekend because then uh, my my compa hit me up, and he's like, oh, having a barbecue, you want to stop by? I went over there, um, had a steak and uh, some potatoes and watched some uh, DAZN boxing. So I was watching a little bit of the Yami Mungu of Card, um, but I missed that fight because I had to get back home for the – um Taylor teofimo and um the ufc uh, 289 uh and oh shit we'll dive into that a little bit more um but before i get into the movies i want to talk i want to give y'all an update because i got to play the undisputed game again my brother-in-law brought it over and this time we got to go head to head um and it was it's just it's so much fucking fun so this time I got to play with Amir Khan. I tried him out, super speedy, accurate, um, loved it. I ended up getting knocked out in the ninth round because I was just, again, too overly excited, not protecting myself enough, wasting too much energy. But it's he was great. His fight style in the game, they really nailed it. Um, I, we were, um, I can't remember who I fought again. I can't remember who my brother-in-law picked for that one. Uh, next matchup we did... Uh, my brother-in-law picked Roy Jones Jr., and I picked Alexander Yusick That was a fun fight, a nice matchup. A same thing, though, I ended up getting knocked out in the ninth round. I was doing pretty well in it. Uh, the, the Amir Khan one, I was actually winning most of the rounds, according to the unofficial card, and then I, again, I got knocked out. The Usyk one, I was down. Um, but I thought I had figured it out. I thought I was getting them, and then uh, ninth round got knocked out. And then in the final one, my brother-in-law was Arturo Gotti, and I was Mickey Ward. That was a fun throwback fight. Uh, that one went the distance. Um, I, I lost, uh, gosh, I think I think the majority of the cards I had lost by a good six rounds or so. But that was a lot of fun. I thought I, I was picking them apart at the body, but... Didn't protect myself enough. But, yeah, just shout-out to Undisputed. I'm stoked for this game. I cannot wait for me to finish. I can't wait for everybody to be able to play it. Um, I I saw already it seems like some of the knockouts are a little bit better. Um, They're just – they're just making so much progress on it. The graphics are just phenomenal. The fight styles, the statistics, the way they have the judging, um, just everything about it is so dope so far, and it just seems like it's only getting better. So um, it's, it, it should be worth the wait is what I'm saying. All these years we've been waiting for this game. It is so cool. Um, I, I'm officially at one week, no alcohol, um, and this isn't like an applause moment. I'm not trying to be sober. I'm just just—I'm trying to figure my shit out. And so, um, I have, um, hit my exercise goal and my, uh, calorie goal every single day for the last week. And the one coincidental effect is I have not had any alcohol. So I have realized, you know, when I drink, of course I'm packing on a lot of useless calories and it takes away a lot of my motivation to, um, do anything other than continue to drink for the rest of the day, depending on what time I start drinking, um, makes me feel not as motivated the following day um of course when i when i drink too early then i'll usually eat like garbage later on to um balance out some of the effects of the alcohol that's always shitty um yeah so it's just been interesting so i spent the week uh my work week was very pretty simple i had a nice routine i worked um did my workout took an edible laid down got up did it all over again and then the weekend was my real test i was like what do i do now i'm not sure so friday night happened and i was like you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna fucking hit a workout and i'm gonna chill and i'm gonna take an edible same shit um didn't really have much desire to drink so that was cool and then saturday was the real tough one so i was like fuck Can I watch the fights and not drink? That's it just goes hand in hand to me. I just love drinking and watching the fights, talking shit with my guys. Uh, But yeah, I did it. Um, And it wasn't it wasn't really too tempting. My brother in law offered to go grab me a couple beers because he was heading to the store. And I was just like, uh, I know if I have them, get them. I'm going to want to drink them but I don't want to want to drink later and not have them. So I was just going through this in my head, but I, I ended up not taking them. I had some whiskey. If I fairly really wanted something, but yeah, just, I don't know a little update. Cause it's, it's interesting. Still learning uh, almost 35 years old, still learning about my, my brain and my body and my, the way I function and how I operate and what works for me. It's, it's just a fucking trip. And I'm really, I really want to lose some weight. I'm really, really sick and tired of being as big as I am is hard to move and fit into places i wanna i wanna be able to ride um theme park rides more comfortably or some of them i can't even fucking get in because they won't latch i i want to be able to enjoy some things that i haven't enjoyed in a very long time and so we'll see we'll see where this goes it's sunday now and uh just um went to my my youngest daughter turns eight tomorrow so we're celebrating that my my cousin graduated high school So we are celebrating that, and of course, surrounded by a lot of beer. Um, Didn't grab one, just stuck to... I had a regular Coca-Cola, which was nice, because I don't drink real soda very much. Um, So that tasted like fucking heaven. But um, but yeah, now I'm home. Podcast with you motherfuckers. I'm going to figure out what to do for my night. Got to get a workout in. At that point, I probably won't even want alcohol. Uh, I've been on cold showers for a couple years. They're working wonders for me. And, uh, yeah, curl up with a nice book. No, I'm just kidding. Probably watch a movie or some TV. Um, So, yeah, let's dive into some movies before I get into the fights. I like to do the movies first. Um, Real quick, I watched Idiocracy for the first time. I I, I had always remembered this movie, but I could not remember if I'd actually seen the whole thing. And so something um something reminded me of it recently so i added it to my list and i saw it was for free on hulu so i was like ah it's, like, it's meant to be i gotta watch this shit so i don't i don't always like to rate movies that are older um uh, because it's hard to remove the bias of current expectations with movies that were made in the past with um you know limited um abilities and technology and different actors these just all the different stuff so It's it's hard to take into account sometimes but i did i did want to give this i gave it a three out of five for myself i just felt like uh for the time it was made um it was uh very funny a little over the top i thought the whole story behind it is genius i think they need to do an updated one um, I think it would it'd be perfect. It's been almost 20 years since that movie came out, and I think they could make it even better now. Uh, just just a lot of fun. You got Dax Shepard, Maya Rudolph, Luke Wilson, Terry Crews, all 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 a great cast, and um, I just think they could do an even better one now. But it's all about uh, I think they go 500 years in the future. <clears throat> Luke Wilson's the main main character. He plays a guy named Joe Bowers, I think it is. Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. And he's in in the Army, and he is essentially deemed the most average Joe you can possibly be in the military. And so they choose him to freeze his body, and then they pick Maya Rudolph's character. She plays a female named Rita, a sex worker, and they pick her. And the, the whole concept is to freeze them for a year and then bring them back so they can um, see the differences in the world. Well, uh, some shit goes down, and the the whole um, operation goes down, since it was a secret operation, nobody knew about this, and they just remained frozen for 500 years, and all of a sudden they pop open, and they're like, what the fuck, they're greeted into a world of just complete idiocracy. Just um, the world has become dumber and dumber. Uh, the dumber people have reproduced um, at massive numbers because they just keep fucking. And, yeah, it is just the world is consumed with dumbass shit. Um, the The food supply is going short because they don't even know how to water their crops. Um, the commercial-based thing. and Sex is everywhere. There's a scene where they stumble into a movie theater, and it's literally just uh, a... a a visual of somebody's ass for like an hour and a half. I think it farts every once in a while. And the crowd is hella amused. And so, so happy watching this movie. It's just all this shit. And so they, they look to Luke Wilson's character, Joe to, of course they're trying to imprison him because he doesn't, um, live up to, uh, their standards and all that stuff. And they don't, um, (laughs) the terminology they use in the movie that probably wouldn't fly these days, but, um, Because he sounds so smart, they don't trust him. They don't believe in him. Uh, He doesn't have his tattoo with his UPC code on it. So he's a problem. And he's, you know, in his world, where he's from, he's not that smart of a guy. But in this world, he is deemed the smartest man in the entire country or the entire world, whatever it may be. And he starts giving them the ideas on how to fix their crops and fix their problems and all that stuff. So fun movie, three out of five for me. Came out in 2006 and it's streaming now on Hulu. Now, let's get to some new movies. Uh, The most recent one I saw is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. So, I'll tell you first and foremost, my hopes were not high for this movie. And this one is not with Michael Bay. And I didn't think that was a problem at all. I'm actually a big fan of Michael Bay's work. I like the way he um, puts the films together. I think they just look great. Um, So who was this one directed by let me see real quick directed by Steven Cable Jr. what has he done so he did Creed 2 um tch, 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 tch. Creed 2 that's the biggest movie i'm seeing on here so I wonder if he's pretty new I'm not sure but i thought i thought he did great for the director's aspect of it um Anthony Ramos um, plays the main character noah diaz in this one and i thought he killed it i thought he really brought his acting chops into the game i just felt like his acting was not met well by the rest of the cast um so dominique fishback who plays the the co-main role i'd say um her she goes by elena wallace in the movie um I just, I thought she had more of a Disney element to her acting and her character, whereas Noah Diaz, played by Anthony Ramos, I felt like he was really acting his ass off. And even the kid who played uh, Anthony Ramos's little brother in the movie, um, Dean Scott Vasquez, even him, I thought he had more of a Disney-ass element to his acting and his character. Um nothing was really matching up for me. And that, that was my biggest problem with this. So the movie kicks off and it's based in like 1994 and they're really, if they make that a point to point that out in the movie, it's got to be relevant for a reason. And so they're, they're going with the, the New York vibe of the, the nineties. So you got the hip hop element, of course, um, Puerto Rican neighborhood. You're going to get this, you know, um, and, and it's feeling well. It's, it's matching up. And then later on in the movie, they start intertwining some modern rap into some pretty big scenes in the movie. And it just doesn't match the energy. It just fucks it up to me. And so that was my biggest problem with this movie. And then you got the Autobots um involvement, right? Then you go into this and Pete Davidson be be aware Pete Davidson plays a massive role in this movie in his Autobot and I believe he plays Mirage and he's a complete goofball. Um off the wall, a lot of one-liners always lightening the mood, which is great, but it doesn't match the energy at all of the rest of the Autobots and the severity of what's going on it just not, it doesn't match so you have a lot of unmatched energy going on through this movie and that was my biggest issue so I gave it a 3 out of 5 I thought it was visually awesome but I happened to see it in 3D which I do not recommend I did not care for that at all um, the only reason I went to see it in 3D is because the, the show time on my Friday mornings when I go when my kids are at school I have a certain cutoff time where I can't can't go, right? I got to be out in time to pick up my kids. And the eleven forty one was like the latest I can go. And it was a 3D only. And then the next one wasn't playing till almost one o'clock. So I was like, fuck, I'm going to see it. I got to see it in 3D. Um, I would recommend seeing it not in 3D. I think it would be a much more enjoyable experience. Um, but but even that didn't change much for me because I just, I just trusted it was going to look dope. I really enjoyed some of the, um, some of the primal, um, or maybe they weren't primals. I'm trying to think what were they called? Shit, maybe they were primals. I don't know. So, you got the Autobots and then the other ones. So, you had the uh, the gorilla um, bots, which were dope. Um, the the eagle one, which was played by what is her name? She's from Everything Everywhere All at Once and uh, lots of stuff. She's been around for a while. Uh, Michelle Yu, um, she she did great. Um, the voiceover, you know, um, played that character well. I felt like it was very fitting. Um, but aside from that, you know, the story was basic, just kind of what you get with Transformers films. I, I was a huge fan of the Michael Bay ones, I was a huge fan of Shia LaBeouf's involvement. Um, I, I just thought those ones were dope. I really did. I, I don't think Bumblebee was that dope. I thought it was fun and enjoyable. The one with the dinosaurs, I thought was okay. The Mark Wahlberg. Bar i think i think that's the one he was in if i'm not mistaken um they did throw out a marky mark joke um in this one which is you know funny but also weird to me because i don't know it's it's ironic you're pointing out a character that you also had in your film franchise um, but not acknowledging that it's a real person i don't know but yeah three out of five for me transformers in theaters now um and then they have a uh an end credit scene that you want to stick away around for because they, they link it to, uh, another franchise that I'm sure they're going to be moving forward with doing something. Uh, let's see, let's talk about flaming hot. So I just watched flame hot on Disney. I think it's on Disney plus and Hulu, um, and Flamin' and Hot is the story of the man, uh, Richard Montañez, who um, was a janitor at the Frito-Lay Company in uh, Rancho Cucamonga, I believe it was, in California. And he was seeing the company kind of... Uh, dissolving, uh, a lot of cutoffs going on, or a lot of layoffs going on, things like that, and they're battling essentially Bakersfield for this small warehouse area. They, they're they realizing that both of the warehouses cannot survive, so they're kind of in competition with each other, and, and Richard, who's played by Jesse Garcia, um, if you guys remember him from a really popular uh, uh, Chicano movie, uh, Quinceanera, way back in the day, not way back in the day, but that's where I recognize him from the most. Um, he played Carlos in that and he did a phenomenal job in this movie as well. He was he was funny. He was uh, his acting was great when he needed to be serious. Really, really enjoyed what he added to the movie. Um, but he is realizing that Frito Lay could be capitalizing on a huge um, customer base of the Latino population, especially in California, but in the country in general, the high rise of Latinos in the country. And you know, he says, you know, I love I love your products, but we what we do when we get them is we pour a bunch of fucking hot sauce and salsa all over these things before we eat them. That's what makes them more enjoyable to us. We love them, but we want them hot. We want them spicy. And so he starts coming up with his own uh, sauce or powder to go into it to to make the flaming hot flavor. And he brings it to the the company's I believe like branch manager or some shit, and they don't want to hear him out because what is he? He's nothing but a he's nothing but a Mexican that's supposed to be sweeping the floors. It's as simple as that to them. It's like, they don't want to hear ideas from you. They want to hear ideas from us. Um, and they shut it down pretty quick. So he he goes and uses his janitorial keys to access an office to get the, the number of the most important man in the company and calls him to reach out. Says, I have an idea that could save our company and save everybody's jobs. And we can really hit uh, a market that has been untouched. And he hears him out. He hears him out. He asked for some samples or he, he said he'll accept the samples and then he'll come down there and meet him and talk to him about it. And it's, it's, it's a cool family flick. It's rated PG 13. Um, there's, uh, I believe just some language stuff going on it in it. Um, but overall, I just thought it was such a good movie. Uh, everybody did great. Emilio Rivera is in this movie. Um, he, uh, he plays uh, the, the father, um, Tony Shilob, Um He plays the, 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 I don't know if it's the CEO or the president or whatever of the, the Pepsi that owns the Frito-Lay shit. Um, ah, what's this kid's name? Uh, I think it's Bryce. Where the hell is he? He's so funny. Yeah, Bryce Gonzalez. He plays uh, um, Steven Montana so Richard's son. He's the one kind of testing out the flavors for him to say when it burns good or when it burns bad. Uh, hilarious. He's from Lopez to Lopez. Uh, just I love that kid. He's doing great. Um, and this was uh, Eva Longoria's directorial debut, I believe. I don't know if, let me see. Let me see if this is her first one. I don't know if I'll have the time to look at it. I'm pretty sure this was her first one. But she directed it. I just thought it was fun great movie i I give it 3.5 out of five i was almost going to be biased and give it a four out of five but ultimately i I had to i had to really dig deep in my soul to really am i am i doing it just because it's a chicano come up story and it just makes me happier or is it just how i really feel so i I went with 3.5 out of five seemed fair uh but it's streaming on hulu and disney plus now really good flick I, i suggest you watch it with your kids too um, just a really cool underdog story, a great story about don't give up, don't let people hold you back from your dreams and work work hard and it and it's not too childish to where it avoids some real moments of of uh, struggles in life. Like it, it, it touches but not too deep into like the drug game or the gangster game, um, things like that of trying to get out of that to provide for your family and some how it can still suck you back in, but it's not too in depth so it doesn't uh, overwhelm your kids if, if they haven't been exposed to that kind of stuff uh, let's see let's see so flaming hot's on hulu and disney plus now um let's see let's talk about somewhere in queens yes so this was one i just watched and this was written and directed by ray romano which hope oh, i just picked the wrong movie sorry um and Queens. There we go. I was scrolling Apple for something to watch, and I saw this on sale for $15. And I was like, uh, I could wait a little bit longer, it'll go go down. But I remember hearing, I want to say I heard them talking about this on the so the, the golden hour podcast. I swear because uh and it had to be one of the because Eric Griffin is in the movie. He plays the DJ throughout the movie, which was um funny. Uh and I heard them talking about Ray Romano's movie and he's going to be involved in that. And I was like, oh, cool, but never heard anything about it later on. So when I saw this pop up, I was like, I got to check this out. So it's starring Ray Romano, of course. Um, he plays the main character named Leo. Um, Lori, Lori Metcalf plays his wife, Angela, in the movie. And they got a son. Um, oh, where the hell is he? Why is he not higher up on the list? Oh, weird. Hold on, I got to scroll a little bit. That's crazy. Sorry, IMDB has a different layout than I'm used to. I'm trying to find this kid's name. There he is, Jacob Ward. Jacob Ward plays the Matthew Sticks. Sticks is his nickname in the movie because he's real lengthy and he plays basketball. So the movie is really, um, the way I was kind of describing it briefly on IG was, It's one of those flicks where you kind of forget you're watching a movie. It just kind of feels like you're you're on you're a fly on the wall in somebody's life, just watching it go. Because nothing feels over dramatic about it. Everything feels very real and uh, very relevant, very relatable. And I love movies like this from time to time. So stuff like, um, (coughs) excuse me, um, Dan in Real Life with Steve Carell, um, Funny People with Adam Sandler. and Seth Rogen, you know, that whole cast. Um, there's other ones. Uh, the Family Stone with Diane Keaton and Luke Wilson was in that one, too. Um, incredible cast on that one. Uh, just movies like that where it just feels like you're watching somebody's life. And there's everything feels real. Everything feels like you're just, you know, following somebody. Borderline documentary vibes. Um, but this movie... Uh, sticks is, you know, he's a senior in high school and he's trying to figure out his life and he meets a girl, uh, and you know, he's trying to figure out if he wants to go to college or if he's going to work for his family's, um, construction business. I don't know if it's construction specifically, but the business, the family business that his uncles and his dad and his grandpa all run and work. Um, and, and then, or does he just want to do whatever his girlfriend is doing this, you know, this fork in the road that a lot of kids come to when they're about to finish high school and enter into adulthood officially. And he's just Ray Romano's character, Leo. He's just trying to help his son navigate it, do what's best for him. Um, while, you know, maintaining his piece of the puzzle in his family dynamic, all that stuff, just, just a really good feel good movie. So I gave that one a four out of five, no real complaints from it. It's just nothing spectacular about it. I just really like. I love the dialogue. I love the back and forth, the, uh, Um, energy between all the actors was great. Just perfect. Um, Lori, Lori Metcalf and Ray Romano did, did wonderful as a couple in it. Sebastian Maniscalco's Maniscalco's in it. Um, Jennifer Esposito's in it. Just a great cast. I absolutely loved it. So four out of five somewhere in Queens, check that out when you can. I want to talk about this, even though I don't have much feedback on it yet. I'm, I'm watching currently the French dispatch. So I have not finished it. and, It's very rare. I watch a lot of movies, of course. It's very rare that I watch a movie in pieces. Every once in a while, it happens to me. And so this one, I am on my, I think I am going to embark on my fourth time watching this movie, which isn't quite fair. The third time I put it on, I had to stop it because some titties popped up on the screen, and I didn't know what was about to happen. And my kids were coming up in the room, and I was like, fuck. So I had to pause it. And I haven't started it again. So, technically, I guess this this next one will be my fourth, but it's really my third attempt at finishing it. So, you got Benicio Del Toro in this movie. Adrian Brody. Uh, let's see. We got um, Timothy Chalamet, um, Jeffrey Wright, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Henry Winkler. I mean, the cast is stacked. There's so much cast in this movie. And I my IG post I made about it is because I'm like... I don't I need if somebody's seen this and can help me understand it better I could really benefit from it because I'm trying to I'm trying to be respectful of what I know there's a lot of artistic value in it I can tell I knew it from the moment I saw the preview years ago Um, Wes Anderson directed it he wrote it um or the screenplay at least. And he's got a new movie coming out called Ast- Asteroid City, which I'm really pumped to watch. So I was like, I want to get familiar with his work because you could tell from the preview of Asteroid City, it's, it's not your standard film. There, there's some different elements to it, different ways of going about it. The storytelling, the, the visual of it. And so I was like, I got, I want to get familiar with this guy's work. He's got other stuff. Found this one. I remember the previews from years ago. I was like, I got to check it out and all that. I mean, look, even on the poster, you got three different five-star reviews on it. Brilliant. A breakless free wheel through a teeming bazaar. What the fuck? Even that alone tells me I'm not going to know what the hell I'm watching. So the IMDb uh, breakdown on here is a love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine. So what I'm gathering so much or so far from this film is this magazine company is putting out an issue, and each segment of this movie that you're seeing is different stories that are going to be published in the, the magazine. It's just they are very random, very strange. Apparently they have a connection at some point. I have yet to put it together. But, yeah, I I, I do like it. I'm enjoying it. I'm just trying to understand if there's a deeper meaning behind it or if it's just something for fun, if it was just something. Because, you know, art is this way to many people. Some people get it, some people don't. And I really respect film. I really respect people's... um, uh, visual of, even even if I don't understand it, I'm like, hey, you made a fucking movie. But something that always sticks out to me is when they get movies like this and a lot of big names involved, it's because they believe in the project. It's because they, they believe in the artist that is trying to put it together. They believe in something in it. It's usually not because this person just has a lot of fucking money and they could buy whoever they want to be in the movie. These kind of movies usually have some buy-in from the actors involved and so that's what draws me to them so much so The French Dispatch is uh, streaming on HBO Max if you haven't seen it and it sounds interesting check it out if you have seen it and you understand it to a better level than I'm, I'm getting please reach out to me on IG True Justice 509 let me know your thoughts let me know if I'm missing something or if I need to know something better um, about halfway through the movie I plan on finishing it this evening but yeah so The French Dispatch I have not given it a rating yet um and then let's see i watched the sun on netflix starring hugh jackman so this uh i really enjoyed this movie actually i i was scrolling through saw the preview my wife had thought we had seen it already i was like i haven't seen this and then when we watched the whole preview she said oh yeah i haven't seen it either so we decided to check it out and i thought this was really well done it's a very tragic story um and it's it's about uh, a father named Peter who has essentially him and his wife Kate, um, played by Laura Dern. Peter's played by Hugh Jackman. They have uh, a child. They have a child who is struggling with depression, um, and they can't figure out why. They are now separated, and Hugh Jackman's character is now with another woman. And they have a new baby, a new baby boy, and their son is just struggling. The mom is struggling with him. Um, Nicholas is his name, played by Zen McGrath. And he, the mom is fed up. She's like, I can't reach him. I, he's scaring me. The way the look in his eyes when I ask him to do the simplest things looks like he hates me. And. Um, the son ends up wanting to move in with his dad and his and the dad's new woman, and he says he wants to live with his little brother and all this stuff. And so he's like, "Well, okay." He talks to his wife and says, "You know, I feel like I have to do this. I don't feel like I have a choice. You know, if my son needs me. I need to be there for him." And she says she understands. So they have him move in, and slowly but surely, you you, you could see it's It's a interesting way the movie goes about. You um, you feel like everything's something is just waiting to collapse the entire film you feel like something is just about to be monumentally bad and it just keeps getting better the situation i mean just keeps getting better and all of a sudden like man he's making progress every and it seems like they're trying to fool you they're trying to make you believe here it is here's the big twist here's the big turn this is where it goes to shit because everything goes to shit and then it doesn't and it's like oh moving in with his dad being around his little brother, it's it's helping. You know, it's it's going better. Just having his dad around is getting better and better. But then something will come up again. And you're, you're going along this. You're just like, what the fuck are you so sad about, man? And that's the way he's getting treated. And this is why I thought the movie was so great. Because it's a lot of what we're dealing with in this world right now. We're dealing with these situations with our youth and this generation. That's, um, we don't believe as the older generation, they understand anything about hard work, nothing about real struggle, nothing about hardships or pain or trauma. And, and that's the unanswered question is what the fuck are you so sad about? And they don't know. That's what depression is, right? We don't fucking know what we're so sad about. We don't even know if we're sad. We just feel empty. Or we just feel like we don't want to be here. We didn't ask to be here. We don't want to be here. We don't feel like we deserve to be here. And we feel like a burden. We feel like a weight on somebody's shoulders and be the pressure of it. And we just don't get where it comes from. That's that's what depression is. And so you're watching this and you're just... that's why I believe Zen McGrath did such a great job with it because the entire time I'm watching this movie, I'm just I'm thinking, like, I just want to slap this kid upside the head and shake it out of him. And I think that's what he was supposed to do in that role. Um, Hugh Jackman, I think, was on top notch on his game in this movie. I feel like he absolutely killed it, did amazing. Anthony Hopkins has a very odd short role in it, which I thought was interesting because he was also the star of... Um, Florian Zeller, who directed and wrote the screenplay for this movie. He also directed a movie called The Father, which was starring Anthony Hopkins, but there sounds like there's no correlation to the two. But Anthony Hopkins plays Hugh Jackman's father in this, and he has a very brief moment where he goes to visit him, and he's kind of a dick, and all of a sudden has a connection piece where Hugh Jackman's character, Peter, is wondering if... He's just doing exactly what his dad did to him, which he always hated to his own son. And we all go through that moment, I believe, through parenthood of wondering, thinking we're doing a better job and realizing, fuck, I'm doing the exact same things I hated. And now I feel like I understand my own parent a little bit better because now I see the frustration, or I see the like, I can't fix everything, or what am I supposed to do? But yeah, as the movie's going through it, you're just, you're of course, you're hoping that, a vict- you're hoping for a victory. You're really hoping, right? You don't, you don't want to see it collapse. You're seeing all the hard work and the effort and no real reason for it to continue going downhill. But the reason I love this movie so much is because it felt very real. It felt so fucking real how they did it. And it does not have that happy ending you're waiting for. It has a very real ending. Not that uh, fairy tale shit. It has something that actually felt fathomable to what was going on. Uh, So The Sun is streaming on Netflix now. highly recommend you check it out if you're a parent. If you're dealing with any any youngster, anybody dealing with depression, you can't figure out why, what's going on, watch something like this. It's relatable. Um, The only thing I think would have made it even better is if they could have found an actor. um, Because like I said, what's this kid's name again? Uh, Zen McGrath. Let me see what else he's been in. Um, Something called Risen Utopia. Pele, Red Dog, nothing nothing I've seen. It was the first time I re- remembered seeing him before. Now, nothing against him. I, like I said, I feel like he, he portrayed the character like we needed to see, but because of Hugh Jackman's level of acting in this movie, I feel like they needed somebody like um, Hayden Christensen in Life as a House. So if you haven't seen that, that is one of my favorite father son movies Um, came out in 2001. I remember my mom had me watch this when it came out and Hayden Christensen is probably a 14, 15 year old, something like that in the movie. And his father played by Kevin Kline is dying of cancer and he hasn't been a very big part of his son's life. Now he finds out he's dying, so he asks his wife if he can take his son for the summer and spend the last summer with him and build a house and because he wants to leave something for his kid. He wants to do something with him. And the wife is just all for it. Because they're like, yeah, we can't do shit with them. He's doing, he's taking pills. He doesn't talk to us. He's clearly depressed and angry. And we don't know what's going on with him. It's a beautiful movie. Phenomenal cast. Incredible writing. But the acting was top notch. Hayden Christensen in that movie did such a great job. And it's, again, the same the same kind of structure of what the f- are you so upset about what have you had happen in your life that is so bad for you to be so sad about and it's the same kind of structure but Hayden Christians did, did such a great job with Kevin Klein in that one I think they needed somebody to match Hugh Jackman's energy in the sun I think that was the only flaw of the movie four out of five for me check it out on Netflix uh, next movie I watched was called Shooting Stars so Shooting Stars is on Peacock and it is the tale of the Fab, I thought it's the Fab Four, but apparently they started going by the Fab Five. Um, LeBron James' high school basketball team. And I first saw the preview of this, and right away I was like, oh, this looks really good. I can't believe this isn't a uh, movie theater flick. And then I kind of sat around, I was like, God, do I really want to watch it? Is it going to be corny? I don't know. Um, so I checked it out one of these recent nights, and I was, I was really impressed. Um, the biggest thing for me is Wood Harris is in it and I think wood harris i I just can't think of much of anything he does that he's not awesome in um you'll remember him from remember the Titans he plays Julius campbell um he's in uh creed the creed movies he plays tony uh, tony burton um who's uh trains uh, Adonis creed he's uh gosh he's in so much shit um let's see let's see let's see because he's in above the rim. Um, which is one of the first flicks I remember seeing. He's in so much things, and everything he does is awesome. So he's in that, and then you got all the ki- all the kids who played the, the basketball team. So Marquis Smoky Cook played LeBron James. Caleb McLaughlin played Lil Drew. Um, Avery Sorrell Willis played Willie McGee. Let's see, uh, Khalil Everidge. Because um, I know they had younger ones, too. I want to make sure I'm getting the right ones. Um, but the entire cast, I just thought did a really good job. All the kids involved did great. Um, it was filmed beautifully. There's very little drama. So it's one of those two uh, movies. Again, it's PG 13, a lot like flame and hot where I highly recommend watch this one with your kids. It's a great story of friendship, um, hard work, sacrifice, working towards your goals, um, balancing the, the, the responsibilities during adolescence, um, approaching adulthood and all these things. It was really, really inspiring movie. I loved it. If you're not familiar with the story, especially, um, because, of course, most people know who LeBron James is, Um, and I remember being you know, middle school and reading up on this team and hearing him going into the, the draft and all that stuff because LeBron's just a couple years older than I am. So I remember, I remember this very well when it was going on and to see a high school team getting so much national recognition and having somebody be um, – LeBron was one of the last people, if not the last uh, person to get drafted at the age of 17. Um, before that, I think they started requiring a year of college or an age um, restriction on drafting folks in the NBA. Um, but LeBron was drafted at 17 all these things you know he, he didn't have that normal uh, normal childhood or experience that some of the other players go through especially the ones currently now um, and this team itself just the way they they played together from a young age their um, their arrogance but their skill sets and their love for each other and their the way they were able to function and push through and stay together for all those years just a really cool story shooting stars on peacock now I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Um, I plan to watch this movie called Shimmer Lake. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but it's on Netflix. Um, looks like a great cast. Really cool story. I haven't watched it yet, so I won't dive into it much. Plan to watch this series on Apple Plus starring uh, Tom Holland and Amanda Seyfried um, called The Crowded Room. Really excited for that. I'll probably start that when I do my workout later. And uh, The Idol, I started watching The Idol on Apple, or no, sorry, not Apple, on HBO Max. Uh, Very interesting, uh, episode one, episode two comes out tonight, so I'll also be watching that. Um, Filmed beautifully, uh, A24 production, Um, Sam Levinson, who worked on Euphoria, created this as well. So I expected nothing but incredible filming um, angles, the way they, uh, the way they do the scene transitions, the, the epic, a really dope opening scene. I want to highlight that because the opening scene right away kind of gives you an idea for what you're in for. It, it might seem simple and you might miss it and not understand, but just the element of, um, <coughs> excuse me, acting that you're going to get introduced to and the emotions and the manipulation of things is all in the first opening scene with Lily, Lily Rose Depp. Um, able aka the weekend who's playing in the movie I, I believe his name is tedros let me look that up to make sure i get it right um because it's an interesting name i'm not familiar with oops i just dropped it oh now they're gonna update the app of course well uh the weekend's character he's like a club owner and um lily rose Depp's character jocelyn she is essentially like a like a Britney Spears, pretty much. She's a pop star who is dealing with some mental health um, mental health stuff, the breakdown. She's trying to make her comeback and trying to stay relevant but be ideal. But she wants to be authentic and raw and all these different things. And she's got a new album coming out. And it's, you know... Uh, the music she's putting out, it, it's hits, but she doesn't know if she believes in it. She feels like a fraud with it. So she meets The weekend's character, Tedros, at the club, and he she she just feels like he will be honest with her so that she starts a relationship with him. And he's it, it looks like, for what we're in for, it's only a six-episode miniseries, so they're going to have to rush through a lot of stuff in it. Um, seems like he's just going to have a big play of changing the way she does her music um, from the boyfriend standpoint to like management standpoint. So I'm sure it's going to be a whole lot of that. It's, it's sold to us like a very highly high sexual show, but it looks like it's just gonna be a lot of back scene drama. It gave me more vibes of like entourage than it did euphoria. So it's, to me, it's like if we were to watch euphoria with Sam Levinson involved in it, This is kind of what we're we're dealing with, but the music business instead of Hollywood when it comes to the acting business. So I'm excited for it. I like the first episode. Only five left, so they got a lot to cram in, and we'll see what they do from there. I just I feel like they were trying to give us this because we're we're missing Euphoria and we wanted to come back. I'm still enjoying the Platonic series on Apple Plus with Seth Rogen. Um, love that. The, the most recent episode I thought was the best episode of the season so far by far. So I love that. I hope they keep it going. Uh, great, great balance of energy between the, the cast. Just, a, just great. So much fun. Um, watching the Mayans. I'm getting bummed out because now it's officially midway through the final season. And, well, let me make sure actually, because um, I, I heard that this was going to be a shorter season than the other ones. Um, let's see, I gotta, I gotta make sure before I speak on it, so, season five is scheduled for ten episodes, okay, so we are not officially halfway, we got one more until we're halfway, that makes me happy, so all the, uh, oh, last season was ten episodes, okay, ten, okay, I don't know why I heard that this is gonna be a shorter season, so that makes me happy. All right, so we're not officially halfway through, because I feel like they were rushing it. I'm like, man, they're getting, they're trying to squeeze too much damn shit to close this story out, and it makes me sad. I love the Mayan series. If you're enjoying it, this is... Uh, you can feel it's the last one, not just because they told us it's the last one. You just feel all the mistakes happening, and everything's going on. We know we're going to lose some main characters here. And, um yeah, Ezekiel, I'm sure, is destined to die in this in this uh, series. I'm hoping Angel can make it out. Um, we're just kind of all counting the clock now. Of wondering, we know how these we know how these series usually end. We usually lose a good amount of characters we love, um, but it's been a fun ride. And I I think I heard that uh, um I'm blanking blanking on his name. I gotta look it up. I feel so dumb. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. The creator, Kurt Sutter, right? Just make sure I have it right. I'm pretty sure it's Kurt. Yeah, Kurt Sutter. Um, I've heard that he has something in the works for like a Sons of Anarchy prequel, and that makes me excited. I think I think it's supposed to be called like the first nine. Um, I'm trying to look on IMDb to see if they have anything on it yet. I don't see anything right now. I'm scrolling pretty quick. Um, yeah. So we all remember in Sons of Anarchy, how they had the first group of the club and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a prequel about that. So I'm stoked about that because Kurt Sutter, I think is just killing it. He clearly put in his time for the research and all that to make these, um, feel as real as he could and of course they're going to be dramatized but just incredible series Sons Sons of Anarchy was dope as fuck, Mine's is dope as fuck, I'm sure the next one will be great too um that does it for the movies and shows I've been up on, let's talk about some fights, if you're not into the fights you can check out now, thank you for sticking around but I want to talk about these fights so I'll kick it off with UFC 289 um I missed all the prelims except for I watched the, the Chris Curtis um one and then uh i believe i believe that one got stopped for a cut at no contest i didn't see how it occurred but i saw the cut in the aftermath um and then uh anders anders and uh is it barial barialt um that was a hell of a fight great one there i believe they got fight of the night well deserved um, Dan E and Landwehr that they put on a hell of a man. Landwehr is a fucking beast. He just did not want to get taken out, but E um, just fucking solid man. That guy can fucking throw. Um, I missed the mallet and fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Sorry. I still laugh at that. Um, it's just a little bit of dumb shit. Yep. Haven't hit that button in a while. I missed that one. I think mallet won that one. I remember <laughs> them talking about Canada a lot. Um, Showing up, and uh, it looks like he was the only other Canadian on the main card, aside from Barry Um, because I was watching that Teofimo, um, Lopez, and uh, Josh Taylor fight when that one was on. Uh, Oliveira and Dariush. Um, this one I was a little torn on. I won my bet on this one. I picked Oliveira. Um, I just I had to ride with him. I just I don't believe his journey is done. I believe he's coming back again. And Darius, I think had all the skill sets and the abilities to to beat Oliveira, but he just couldn't get it done. Oliveira's just you just can't underestimate this man. Uh he first round TKO, he's right back in the running. Hopefully, he'll get that rematch for that belt back real soon and hopefully he can uh, attack Macagev a little differently than he did before cuz that's not a that's not an easy man to figure out, but he is beatable. And then of course the main event, Amanda Nunez fighting uh, Irene Aldana. And this was tough for me. I really wanted to rock with Aldana. Uh should be the fourth Mexican champ in the UFC. Uh Nunez has seemed a little complacent for a while, not quite as motivated, all those things. And so I, I wanted to pick Aldana. Um and yeah, that was just a mistake. I, I lost a dollar on that one. Um and I knew it would have to do with how Nunez decided to come out and fight this one. Also, how Aldana wanted to play. Um, right away, when this fight started, you could see what Aldana's game plan was. It was very fucking obvious. It was don't don't fall for the game of getting into a hit-for-hit match with this woman because she will knock you the fuck out. So many of the females that have lost to Nunez in the early rounds, or the first round, um, has been because they made that mistake. They got into a throwing match with her and... Not, you usually don't come out of that on top of Nunez. She hits hard. She hits accurately. And I want to say Nunez was striking at like a 60 plus percent um, accuracy rate throughout this fight, which is just unfucking real. Just target practice. And Aldana, the first three rounds essentially was her blocking her head, not throwing a lot, not even using any leg kicks. She should have been throwing some leg kicks, and Nunez is doing all the tricks. She's kicking at her legs to get her to drop her guard or, uh, yeah, drop her hands. She's uh, faking the takedown. She even threw her down a couple times to show you, bitch, I can throw you down if I want to, and I will continue to, but I'm going to get you to drop those hands. And she just, she just owned her five rounds of complete dominance. I want to say two judges had 2 10 8 rounds. I, I want I know at least one of them did. And I know I had it um, 50 to 44. So two of the judges want to say I had 50 to 43, which is just it's just a fucking bully beat down. Um, Aldana was saying something about how, you know, Oh, actually, I think I saved it because I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, here it is. Well, said it was a bad night, but the goal is still clear and the objective is still that fourth belt for Mexico. I promised you I'm going to fulfill it, whatever the cost. I have already identified this blockage. I know what I have to do when this will not happen again. I give you my word. Well, no shit. It won't happen again. Nunez retired after she beat that ass. So, um. Nunez also made a statement about how no matter who becomes champ next is the fake champ. They'll never be the real champ because they're only getting it because she's gone. And you can't even argue with that. Not quite fair to say <laughs> because there's other champs that have come about that too. I mean, could be retired as a champion, um, all these different things. But at the same time, Nunez is just, she's the fucking goat. It's not one of them. It is. She's the fucking goat when it comes to the women's, uh, women's realm of fighting. She is the fucking goat. And, uh, just she had an unreal stretch of dominating, and and Pena Pena wanted to come out and talk some shit about how she, um, Nunez is so scared of her she had to retire. I loved I love Pena Pena is Pena's from Spokane right here. Um, I, I believe in her. I think she's I think she can. I was the only fucking person I knew that believed she was gonna beat Nunez when she did, and she did it. And then yeah. She she got her ass kicked pretty bad in the rematch, but she couldn't finish her. And I'm going to be one of those guys, too. And then you said, I could have finished her if I wanted to. Well, no, you should have. If you get finished and you feel like you could finish, you better damn well finish him. You didn't. Because her Pena's tough. Pena's tough as shit. And, yeah, she got dropped a lot, but she kept getting back up, kept throwing. Yep, she she kept doing it. And I love Pena. But I didn't care for her statement about that because, Nobody believes Nunez is scared of you. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm one of your, I'm one of your big fans. I love you. But I don't believe for a second Nunez is afraid to fight you again. Um, And Nunez responded to that very well because she was supposed to fight Pena. There was supposed to be the trilogy and Pena got injured in training. And Nunez said, what do you want me to do? You were supposed to be in here and you don't know how to train. You hurt yourself. So this is what happened. And it's the truth. You can't be mad at that. So, you know, most likely Pena will get a shot at the championship now, and it's going to be one of those things of are you the real champ, are you not? Um, she's going to have to deal with that scrutiny. But um, it's going to open the open the doors for some female. I saw Dana White was talking about retiring one of the divisions. After that, I know that sometimes just one good champion is the only thing holding up some of these divisions because they don't have a lot of competition in them. We'll see what he does with that. Um, but, yeah, wishing Nunez well in her retirement. It was a very emotional night for her. It was, it was a beautiful moment to watch. Um, kind of made the pay-per-view all worth it because it was kind of an underwhelming pay-per-view as a whole, but that, that moment made it worth it. And then we had Adrian Broner return to the boxing ring on Friday night on a Don King card fighting a guy named Bill Hutchinson. Um, Bill Hutchinson is, is uh, not not a well-established fighter. He has not fought very well, much competition. Um, It just, it needs to be said Um, anybody. And I'm not even trying to hate on AB here, even though I'm not a fan of him anymore. I I lost, I lost my, uh, my really, my really, my care for him as a fighter a long time ago. I just feel like he got too full of himself. I think he believes his skill sets. Um, are just untouchable, and he's, a, he's an incredibly skilled fighter, but he's not as good as he thinks he is. <clears throat> and that's the problem. When they get to their head to that point and they're not winning, he's uh, lost some fights pretty significantly that he believes he won, and that's, that's a shame, too. It's like if you can't even recognize that your ass lost... I get fighter pride and I get, you know, take me out. He doesn't get that. I just don't care for the way he is anymore. And for him to win this fight, it doesn't bring him back. It does not bring him back. It does not make him top of the line, anything like that. He's called out some people that I think will fuck his shit up. Um, But he'll probably, he probably needs another, another one, maybe even two tune up fights to really see if he's ready to get back into the competition. Um, But we'll see. Uh, We'll see. It sounds like. just peer dominance throughout the fight. Sounds like he couldn't finish the job, even though they felt like the ref should have stopped it a few times. Um, and then his, of course, his after his post-fight interview, of course, was full of um, quotable memes. I guess he said something along the lines of uh, "Now I need some pussy, some shit like that." And it's just again, you could see that he's not well. You could see that he's not the same. Uh, And that's just that's just how he is now. So we'll see. We'll see what's next for Adrian Broner. I hope he doesn't stick around on this Don King shit. Um, Don King is is not the route I would take. And hopefully they can find him some better fighters than Bill Bill Hutchinson. Because when I looked up the guys Bill Hutchinson has fought, there was nothing impressive, impressive about those guys' records. Uh, Sugar Neeks. She was fighting on uh, zone this weekend. Um, I became a fan of Sugar Neeks at her last fight because she, she took a massive cut from a head clash and that shit was wicked. And the ref probably could have stopped it, but she didn't want it. She wanted to keep fighting and she dominated and won that fight a bloody mess. Um, just, and she's, she's a savage. So I was really excited. I didn't get to see this fight. I saw the, um, I followed a lot on IG and uh, Twitter, of seeing the build-up for it, the face-off. She came out in her body paint, start promoting her OnlyFans, which I figured was a matter of time, because a lot of the a lot of the ladies on the Zone cards are kind of falling suit with Ebony Bridges, and uh, now Ebony and L Brook are collaborating quite a bit. So L Brook was promoting Sugar Neeks, and it's that whole whole thing that they got going, and I, I'm all for it, but I was wondering if it was going to impact her her uh, her focus <laughs> a little bit. So uh, Sugar Neeks ended up losing by unanimous decision. She lost her belt. So we'll see what that does for her OnlyFans promotion, if she's going to get back in there, because that's a tough thing to balance. It is. And I I, uh, I can only imagine... Um, I mean, if you're going to be, you look at Paige Van Zant, right? You look at that and we, me and my guys talk a lot. It's, it's not a judgmental thing. It's just, uh, the facts are facts. And for the most time, the most attractive fighters don't succeed for long. They're not as good, um, as some of the other fighters. And they, they find it an easier route to go do things like only fans, things like that. Um. Uh, promotion placement for different uh, items and things like that events because they they look good people want to see them without their clothes on they want to they want to imagine being with them and that the more money you can make on those avenues the harder it's going to be to work your ass off in the gym and get punched in the face right it's just natural and uh, Sugar Neeks is a very beautiful woman and if she's going to be following her, I think it's, it's going to be really hard for her to come back from that if she dives too much into the OnlyFans Avenue we'll see ebony bridges is still doing pretty well with it um balancing it but she just finally took a deeper dive into the only fans realm so we'll see what happens with her career as well because she's a savage as well el is on the come up um nobody's really taking her serious as a boxer right now um but she's she's working her ass off she's kind of like the the jake paul the female realm to me right now um yami Mungia fought uh rivianchenko i didn't get to see this fight either but i was talking to uh, my my compa's uh, buddy Ray about it before the before the card started, and we we're just kind of discussing. Mangiolo is 41-0 before the fight started, and he hasn't really fought any. And he hasn't really been tested too much. We we're talking about what we'd like to see for him. Deruvianchenko, I know he's a beast. But he's getting old, but I I still thought it was the best competition they can get for him right now. In that sense, I, I feel like Oscar's just trying to get somebody up to 50-0 and you know, so he can shit on Floyd. And that's a shame because Mungia is a good fighter. He is, but he needs to be tested. He needs to be tested. And I want to see Mungia maybe move up to 168 and fight Caleb Plant. I think that would be a great matchup, and I think Plant can offer that name. He's got the... Uh, he could, he could be invested in the whole aspect of possibly giving Yami his first loss. Caleb Plant's definitely skilled enough to do so, but he's not um, impossible to beat, as we know. So we'll see we'll see what's next for Mungia. I'm going to guess they're going to keep feeding him um, people that are on the cusp of retirement or um, newer guys who are making a name for themselves, because I really think they're trying to protect his record, and I hate that. But Yami Mungia did get the decision on this one. Sounds like it was a questionable one. I saw some highlights. I haven't watched the whole fight yet, but it looked like Mugia was taking some serious punishment and got rocked pretty heavy by Derevyanchenko at one point. Um, and from what I from what I was reading, he was down on all the cards um, from the, the fans and the people watching and the critics, but somehow he pulled off the decision, so we will see. I'll have to rewatch that one. And then let's dive into the Teofimo Lopez and Josh Taylor fight. So I loved this. I loved it so much because... I I was a huge Teofimo Lopez fan, like many people were, until he became a shithead. And he became a major shithead. He became a downright arrogant asshole. And he wasn't even he wasn't even looking that talented anymore for a while. He really lost himself. And his dad seems like a real piece of shit, uh, just filling his head with shit. He can't stop getting on the microphone himself, or whatever you want to say about. That. But I will tell you this: I have never once bought into the josh taylor hype train not once i never once saw this guy and thought oh he is a bad motherfucker and all i've heard for the last few years is josh taylor's the man josh taylor will beat this motherfucker people wanted to see josh taylor move up and fight bud crawford you're out of your fucking mind if you ever thought that would be a good idea And so many people thought Josh Taylor was the fucking man. When I saw him creeping up on the pound for pound list, I was like, you guys are out of your fucking minds. So when I saw this fight, this matchup coming up, I was really, really excited because I was like, we're going to have an opportunity to see somebody um, get exposed regardless if Josh Taylor would have won this fight, it would, have, it would not have proven Josh Taylor was that great of a fighter. It would have exposed that Teofimo Lopez truly was on the downfall, which would be very tragic at his age. It would. But what I was telling people was I believe Lopez will win this fight if he could stay focused and be aggressive. I think those are the only things he needs to worry about. If he start, And he had his moments of cockiness. We saw it in the ring with his dance moves and his looking behind. He started losing himself a little bit, but he stayed focused enough to get the job done. He absolutely dominated that fight, won the belts, and now he's a two-time lineal champion, um, which is incredible. Two different divisions. Now he's got the world in his hands again, and he hasn't had this since he beat Loma. And now we get to see how he's going to handle it this time and we can only hope that he handles it better because if he does the same thing as before, I don't know if people are going to be as forgiving if he tries to come back again. He's young enough to where his career still has so much to offer him. He is so talented. He's so skilled. His dad is an asshole, and it makes him become an asshole. We saw, I feel like, a real glimpse of the real Teofima Lopez when he won those belts And he apologized to Josh Taylor, gave him a hug, kissed him on the cheek, told him he he never wanted to take his life. He wants him to be able to go back home to his family. When he asked the crowd, do I still got it, right, he's on that cusp. If he could just stay focused, stay humble to an extent. Boxers are going to have egos. Athletes are going to have egos. Artists in general are going to have egos. If he can keep that under wraps to a point, I think he's got a very bright future. I'm excited to see what's next for him. I don't want to see a rematch. I have no interest in seeing a rematch between Josh Taylor and Teofimo Lopez. Josh Taylor needs to figure out what he needs to go, what avenue he needs to go. I think if he moves up to 147, he's going to get his fucking ass destroyed. I just think that's the route. And I saw Vinny Paz post about that as well. Um, and yeah, I think he even admitted he was wrong about him. You know, some fighters do. Um, get old overnight and, you know, his, his time has passed and he believes if he goes up, he'll get destroyed and eaten alive. I just, I don't think he, I don't think he's the man like people were believing he was. So we'll see what's next for both these guys. They're both at uh, critical points in their career. Of course, Josh Taylor's going to want those belts back. Those are what made him who he was. Teofimo Lopez has already had a taste of that. He has a lot more to overcome, and a lot more eyes on him, I believe, than Josh Taylor, um, especially in the states for sure. But we'll see what we'll see what comes for them both. Um, Josh Taylor's now nineteen and one, and Teofimo Lopez is now nineteen and one. Oh, what? They're both nineteen and one. Yeah, they are. Dope. Um, each with thirteen KO. Still, I love that. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see Teofimo Lopez fight. Um, you know, like Devin Haney. Um, let's see. Uh, Brian Garcia shouldn't get a shot at those belts right now. Um, Rolly Romero. I think Teofimo Lopez. I think Romero would be an ideal person for uh, Teofimo to fight. Romero's technically coming off of a win as garbage as that shit was um i think Teofimo will rock his shit and end that hype train too and then um and then maybe we can get a i don't know i think i think gervonte davis if if he wants to go that route i think that would be a fun fight i think davis will uh will probably catch lopez and 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 that and that pretty easily actually um but yeah, there's a lot more options. There's so many options. I'm I'm excited for the divisions. Um it's so it's so it's just an exciting time. Great year for boxing so far. Great year for fights. I'm loving it. Loving every minute of it and I'm hoping Teofimo Lopez can stay fucking focused and humbled to an extent. You have to, man. You just have to. And that wraps up my fight discussion. What do we have coming up? I know we got a uh, I know we got a showtime card next week. I'm excited for. Um Tim Sue is fighting Carlos Acampo. Very excited for that. Uh, let me pull up the UFC. I don't even know who's fighting next week. UFC. Dun, dun, dun. I always wanna. Oh yeah, okay. So this is the Martin Vittori and Jared Cannonier fight. I'm picking I'm rolling with Cannonier on that one. Um let's see. Armon and well, Queen. So, not a whole lot of big names. Looks like a nice, fun card, though. Get at the prelims. Okay, next week's a free card as well. So, that'll be fun. And then, what do we have coming up? No, we've got a few free cards coming up before the next. Whoa, oh, three free cards in a row. Getting spoiled here. I love it. Um, And then, I'm not sure what we got for boxing. I don't have anything listed right now for the down the road lots of good stuff coming up though i know canelo is still battling back and forth with david benavidez and the bivol shit um bivol sounds like he has no interest in the rematch sounds like canelo um, possibly turned down a 50 million dollar offer from david benavidez i don't know how that works though because it seems like canelo is the one who would make the offer and his uh, i mean be in the Unified champ and being the face of boxing, the actual face of boxing, um, sending him an offer. I feel like. So I don't know how that worked out. But I also read something on Twitter about how they gave him a, like one week to answer. And that to me is really fucking dumb. If you're making an offer to the face of boxing, you don't uh, give it stipulations of how long you have to respond. Because uh, you kind of run me out of options, Mr. Benavidez. Like, unless one of the Charlos wants to step up and come out of whatever they're doing, which is driving me insane. Cause the only other person I'm really interested in seeing Benavidez fight is, um, is, uh, Jermall. I think that would be a fun fight. And then there's one other guy. Ah, man, I was just talking to somebody about this. They would, have, they would have a great, but it's a, I feel like that guy's got a little more to do before David Benavidez would give him the time of day. Canelo's really the best fit for him right now. Um, to him to get that. So I just I don't know if Canelo's interested in or not. He really wants that Bevel fight. Bevel doesn't want it unless he's gonna be able to come down to fight Canelo down there. Callum Smith's gonna be farting fighting uh, uh Arthur Bitterbeef, Bitterbeef. Fuck, I'm gonna fuck it up now. I'm um, assuming I think Arthur's gonna beat the fucking shit out of Callum Smith, and then uh. And then we'll see what's next for there because I really want to see Bevel and uh, Better Be fight. I think that's the fight to make. Then we're, of course, going through the heavyweight headache. That's what I'll call it the heavyweight headache. Um, dealing with uh, Devon, uh, Devontae, not Devontae, uh, Deontay Wilder, Andy Ruiz, Tyson Fury, Alexander Yusick, Joe Joyce, Zhang. All these guys can't figure out what the fuck is going on, what to do. And Tyson Fury seems to be laughing his ass off, knowing he's the one holding everything up. Um, And then you got somebody like Francis Ngannou um, and John Jones throwing weird uh, kinks in the chain because they want to be considered in these crossover fights and all that shit. It's like, no, just stay in your fucking lane right now. Um, So we'll see. Been an epic year for boxing. We got uh, Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence coming up next month. I've already made my pick known. I'll say it again. I got Bud Crawford. No no doubt about it. No questions. I think he will... um, definitely win that fight we've been waiting years for it um, not as long as we waited for Manny Pacquiao and, uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather so I'm not as irritated as some people are trying to act like oh this is it doesn't matter they're past their prime no they're both they're both extremely in their prime right now its it's a great time for the fight if we had to wait another year or two then it would suck but no this is this isn't so bad so I'm excited Uh, Other than that, that's a wrap. I'm going to go see a couple of movies over the next couple of weeks. Mystery movies stoked for that. I'm going to go see the flash this Thursday at like 10 PM. I'm super excited about that. Um, summer vacation is almost upon you youth out there. So keep your heads on straight and do something meaningful. Find your purpose. Uh, My kids will probably be watching a lot of TV and eating a lot of snacks. Can't wait to see our food grocery bill for the summer and they just never get full. Um, other than that, I don't have much else going on. Got the uh, the new singles out. Um, go check out uh, Together Forever. It's on all platforms. I'm just loving that song. Really hoping to get a video out this summer for it. Uh, the new project, Enlighten the Mood, will drop in August. And uh, I got that new feature I sent to my guy, Kaga. I think it turned out really good. He seemed happy with it, so hopefully that'll make the album. And, and Yeah. Um, Be well, everybody. I'll be back. True Reviews Podcast. Follow me on IG, True Justice 509.